Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. Why don't we stand together today? Great to have you here at Wrightsville Assembly of God. We just want to uh, begin this service by just singing some songs of worship to our Lord. In this Christmas season, we don't, uh, we don't want to just look back at what He has done, but I'm hoping and praying that before this service ends, you'll be able to see what God is doing in your life. And so we want to just begin by declaring His goodness through song. Let your faith rise today as we sing these songs together.
today that you are leading us onward in a triumphant song of life God on a day like today Lord I know that not everyone feels triumphant but God by faith we declare these words because Lord Jesus you conquered our enemy and so God in this service today more than just a reflection on the past. God, may we see today your promises are alive and well for us to grab a hold of and to believe in our hearts. So God, today we just welcome your presence. Lord, to come and to receive our praise. But God, to meet the needs of your people. God, we ask you today to move in this place with the specificity that only you could know by your Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts, speak to our lives this Christmas Eve. God, we worship you today in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. 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 You guys are singing beautiful this morning. You can be seated today. I'm Val. Welcome to Wrightsville Assembly of God and Merry Christmas. Before we get into the message, we want to give you a look at some upcoming events. We want to invite everyone to join us in kicking off 2018 with a week of prayer. January 7th through the 14th, we'll be posting daily prayer prompts on our social media pages to help guide you in your prayer time. And on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday that week, we'll have special prayer gatherings at the church from 7 to 8 p.m. We believe that as we make prayer a priority in our church and in our own lives, we're going to see God do amazing things in the coming year. If you're currently volunteering on any of our serve teams, we're so thankful for all of the hard work, dedication, and love that you give in serving the Lord and our church. Our Sunday services would not work without you. And to say thank you, we're hosting a lunch at the church for you and your family on Saturday, January the 6th at 3 p.m. If you plan on attending, please sign up at the Info Center and you can find more information in your bulletin. If you're a guest with us today, we want to thank you for celebrating Christmas with us at Wrightsville Assembly of God. In our church, it's our desire that no matter what stage of faith you're at, we want to help lead you from where you are to where God wants you to be. We have ministry opportunities for every age, from our nursery, preschool, and kids' church classes on Sundays, youth group services on the first and third Thursday of the month, our weekly prayer gatherings, and our monthly Senior Connection get-togethers. We have a place for you to get involved. And if today is your first time with us, we would love to say hi and get to know you a little bit. If you would take a moment and fill out a Connect card, they're located in the backs of the seats, and take it to the Info Center after service. We have a gift just to say thank you for being with us today. And be sure to connect with us on wrightsvillechurch.com and on our social media pages to stay up to date with everything going on at the church. We hope you have a great Sunday and a very Merry Christmas.
Well, again, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas and say good morning to you. Uh, in just a moment, we're going to do something that is uh, <laughs> going to be a lot of fun. We're going to invite all of the boys and girls to come up here in just a few moments and help lead us in a few Christmas carols. And so before we do that, I want you kids get ready. Some of you got to get your shoes back on. We're going to do that in just a moment, but before we do, we're going to receive our morning tithe and offering. And uh, let me just start by giving a little testimony. We decided this month that we were going to, above and beyond our regular tithe and offerings, try to stretch our faith to get a part, be a part of a project of building a new church in Slovakia among the Roma people. I had the privilege last year in November to go over there and meet the pastors and, and worship in one of their churches. And uh, as the ministry is growing and transportation is difficult for those uh, people, they're wanting to build new churches closer to where the people are. So they've already got the people there. The church is there. They just need a building. And so to be a part of that project, we set a goal this month right here at the end of the year of raising $2,000 to invest in building that new building over there in Slovakia and I want to testify to you today that last Sunday and the previous Sunday above our regular giving we received um, we received over $1,600 of that $2,000 goal amen <clears throat> amen I thought you might want to hear that and so I want to just encourage you if you're a guest today you are certainly not uh, not under any compulsion to give we're glad you're here and we do want to give you the opportunity, though, to be a part of something that is lasting. You know, I read an interesting statistic this week that 12% of charitable donations take place in the last three days of the year. 12%, which probably says a lot about us being procrastinators. <laughs> but it also speaks towards our good intention. That sometimes, though we might wait to the last minute, we know what matters. And I want to just encourage you to consider right here at the end of the year, if you're making charitable donations, make them towards something that is lasting. And I can't think of anything more, uh, more significant than maybe your own children and grandchildren than the local church. Everything else is going to fade away. But Jesus says, my church will remain and not even the gates of hell can prevail against the church. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of what God is doing now uh, we've got several ways that you can participate if you so choose and they're on the uh, screen here behind me there's envelopes in the chairs in front of you <clears throat> but as you consider what you might do today on this Christmas Eve I want to share a verse of scripture with you that uh, just to be quite honest it it pricked my heart when I read it and and I want to read it to you as it pertains to our giving it says in Matthew chapter 2 verse 10 and 11 when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now, most of you are familiar enough with the Christmas story to know that this is talking about the wise men. They saw the star, and they began to, to go to find the baby that was born in Bethlehem. The next verse says, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, and they worshipped, <laughs> they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures, and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh when I thought about those gifts I thought you know we've got a couple baby showers coming up in January here at the church 
And how many of you know those are not baby shower gifts? <laughs> not going not gonna to find that on the, uh, on the gift list. But they brought those gifts because they weren't coming to see a baby. They were coming to see a king. And the word that the Holy Spirit kind of uh, put in my heart was this question. Are you preparing a gift for a king? You know, we give gifts to people uh, on different levels. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like there's, there's probably some pretty expensive gifts for some select folks. Uh, and, and then there's those re-gift gifts <laughs> that you dug out of the closet that you never opened from last year. <clears throat> Come on, let's not re-gift Jesus, amen? Are you preparing a gift for a king? Because that's who he is. And so I just want to encourage you today uh, as, you, as you prepare at the end of this year to give Jesus uh, a gift he's worthy of. Let me pray for you today. Father, thank you so much for the privilege that we have of being a part of building your kingdom in the earth. The truth is, God, we don't have a gift that you need. You don't need anything from us. But God, in your grace, you allow us to partner with you in the work of redemption. And God, you use our, our little means, our small offering, the seed that we sow, and you use it to produce much fruit, much harvest, much increase. You've done it from the beginning, and Lord, you're doing it through us. So we thank you for this opportunity to be a part of something so lasting and something so significant. Lord, bless every offering, bless every giver. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, right now, <clears throat> I want all the boys and girls that want to join me, don't be bashful. Come on up here and join me on this stage. We got, we got a hat for you, and we're going to get everybody involved, and we're going to do some songs. All right, we're going to turn this place into a little bit of a, a winter wonderland. There's the Christmas we hope for and the Christmas we get. The one with all the glitter, and the one with all the grit. One is marked by perfect decorations, the other is marked by unmet expectations. We claim it's the most wonderful time of the year, but deep down inside, we know the stress is drawing near. Fighting traffic on the way to the Christmas party hopping, blowing your budget on all the Christmas present shopping. Family gathered around a Christmas feast. It was quite dysfunctional, to say the least. If you look back at the stress of the first nativity, you may realize you're actually in good company. While traveling pregnant with a growing belly, Mary rode a donkey that was quite smelly. They arrived in Bethlehem but had no place to stay. The only open spot was a barn with some hay. The act of giving birth by itself is extremely hard, but can you imagine delivering Jesus in a dirty barnyard? Despite how nothing seemed to go as planned, still Jesus was born unto us, the Son of Man. So this Christmas, let's be reminded that no matter how bad it's been, Jesus' birth brought peace on earth and goodwill to men. All right, you guys, come on up here with me.
All right, everybody, get ready. We got a little impromptu choir. Make sure we can see everybody. Let these, let these shorter guys get in the front. All right, now we need you to help us, all right? We got small guitars, but big voices. All right, guys, we're going to sing Jingle Bells. Are you ready? Nice and loud. You can step one up there. Here we go. Jingle Bells. sing this one, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You know that one? Yeah. All right. Sing it loud. Here we go. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. need to help us out. Let's sing Silent Night. Are you ready? How about we give them a hand? That was great, guys. Come on, everybody. Take a bow. Take a bow. Awesome. You guys did great. Thank you so much. You can be seated. 
birthday. He's telling them, you can keep the hats. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Let's give them another hand as they come off the stage. I'm the Connections Pastor here at the church, and uh, maybe you're new with us this morning. Maybe this is your first time here. Maybe you've been coming for a long time, but we just want to welcome you this morning to Wrightsville Assembly of God, and, and I thank you. I thank you for taking the time this morning to choose to come in to this house. You recognize that this is a, a holy season, that this is more than just about the gifts and the, the polar bears and all the other Olaf over here. And it's a little more than that, and, and you chose today to come into the house of God uh, and, and just to draw close, and, and we want to thank you for that. As Val said in the announcement video, we do have connect cards in the backs of the seats that are in the backs of the seats, and if you fill those out and turn them in at the info center, we do have a nice little gift for you that you can drink your, your morning hot cocoa or coffee or tea or whatever you drink in, in your coffee cup, but we just wanted to thank you for coming. And here in this church, we do something every single Sunday, and Christmas isn't any different. We all stand up and we shake hands, we say hello to each other. We just want to get to know each other, and that's what we do here, because we are the family of God. And we want to do that here this morning, so go ahead and stand up, tell these kids they did a great job, and we'll be right back with Pastor Aaron's message.
It's so good to just be able to be together with loved ones and friends and family. But I want to take some time today uh, for us to acquaint ourselves with this story. For many of us, it's very familiar. And it's words that we've heard for years, maybe all of our lives. And yet, because the Bible says of itself that the Word of God is living and active, that means that this is not just a historical document, but this is a book that is speaking today. Amen? And so we believe that God wants to speak a word to us from the Word today. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter number 2. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like to have one in your hands, there should be a black book close to you, under the chair in front of you, or nearby. And we're going to put these verses up on the screen so you can follow along as well. Luke chapter 2. I do apologize that I'm, I'm uh, fighting a cold here today, but we're going to fight through it. <laughs> we're going to win the fight. Are you there, Luke 2? All right, I want to begin uh, with verse number 8, and we're going to read down to 12. Follow along with me. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. Wouldn't you be? (laughs) But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, there's a lot of themes in this story that we could pull from, but one theme that is pretty paramount if you just read it out of the first two chapters of Luke and the first two chapters of Matthew, it's a theme that we don't really emphasize much. In fact, we probably don't even prefer to talk to it, talk about it at the Christmas season, but the theme is fear. In fact, there's four times in this story that the angel of the Lord appears to someone and says, do not be afraid. We just read one of them to the shepherds. He also said it to Zechariah. He also said it to Mary. He also said it to Joseph. Fear was a reality or he wouldn't have said, you don't have to fear. Don't be afraid. In fact, the Bible tells us in Matthew 2, verse 3, that when King Herod heard about Jesus' birth, it says he was troubled and all of Israel with him. So it wasn't the meek and mild little town of Bethlehem. People were fearful. And it's not much different this Christmas. Now, no one looks too scared right now. But the reality is we all deal with, with fear and for some of us one area or another of fear has gripped your life and it's tried to take hold I did a little research this week what are the things that people are afraid of and and I found some some pretty humorous stuff 
one I want to share with you is called ecclesiophobia. Now, this is a fear that I hope none of you are experiencing right now because ecclesiophobia is fear of church. I'm going to try not to make this too painful on you today if, if you have a fear of church. But for some people, that's a real fear. <clears throat> Another one is necrophobia. That's the fear of death or of dead things. And, and for some, that's not so much a laughing matter. It's something that uh, is true in your life, a fear and a dread of death. But there are some that I, I, I just laughed at when I read them, like this one, dentophobia. Maybe you can guess where that fear comes from. That's the fear of the dentist. Anybody had that fear before? (laughs) Yeah. A few bad experiences. How about this one? Trichophobia. Now, Now looking around this morning, I can see some of you are being delivered from this fear daily. That's the fear of hair. All right. Some of you have gotten over that. Now this one, I, I, this one puzzles me. If this is you, I'd love to know more. Some people apparently have xanthophobia. That's the fear of the color or the word yellow. I don't know, who, you know, if it's in the internet, does that mean you can believe it? I guess this is real, you know. Apparently, I mean, nobody screamed when I said yellow, so it's not here, but somewhere somebody is afraid of that. And how about chirophobia? That's the people that are fearful of hands. They're the folks that hate it when the preacher says, we're going to pray, take the hand of the person next to you. Aren't you glad we didn't do that to you today? You have chirophobia. (coughs) This last one here, oh, now this one I know I don't have. It's buteronophobia, and that's the fear of butter. How many are looking forward to your Christmas feast You do not fear butter in the least. You with me on that? Yeah, absolutely. No fear. Now, maybe you don't have any of those phobias or fears, but what about the fears that the people dealt with in the Christmas story? What about fears like the, the feeling of disappointment? There's people that live with a fear of disappointment. That was the fear that Zachariah had. He had prayed all of his life for a son, for a child. And in his old age, he and his wife, Elizabeth, could not have children. And then right there in the Gospels, the the angel comes to him and he tells him, hey, guess what? Elizabeth's going to have a baby. You're going to name him John. John's going to be this amazing forerunner of the Messiah. It's going to be incredible. But what did Zechariah do? He doubted. He couldn't believe that it was possible. Why? Because he had been disappointed before. How many times had they wondered and thought maybe only to be disappointed again? A fear of disappointment can grip your heart. Or or what about the fear of disapproval? Always wondering what other people think. What are other people going to say? Do I measure up? What what are people going to think about if I go this route? That was what Joseph dealt with. In fact, the Bible tells us that when Mary told him, she said, Joseph, I've, I've got good news An angel of the Lord came and visited me. Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) I've got bad news. Speaking to her fiance, she says, I'm pregnant. (laughs) 
but don't worry, it's God. I mean, it, it was God. Can you imagine trying to explain that to your co-workers? You imagine Joseph trying to explain that one to his parents? No, 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 no. It's, it, it, it was the Holy Spirit, right? And so the Bible says that Joseph had in mind to divorce her quietly. He was just gonna, he was just gonna wash his hands of the situation. He was gonna forfeit the opportunity to be the stepdad to Jesus. I mean, come on. But why? Fear gripped his heart, that fear of disapproval of other people. How about this fear? How about the fear of inadequacy? Maybe you've dealt with that one before. Just, I'm never good enough. I'm not capable. I'm not qualified. You live that way. You know, that's, that's the fear that Mary dealt with. When the angel came to her and told her, you are blessed and highly favored. You're going to carry the Messiah in your womb. Her first question was, how? How could I? How could I? I mean, look, it's just, I'm a teenager. How, how could it be me? And the angel responds to her in Luke 137. He said, nothing will be impossible with God. Or how about the fear of losing control? Ever felt that way? Just losing control. Like, I, I can't keep it all together. I, I can't, I can't, I can't stay in control. That's the fear that Herod felt. He was so driven to have control that he let the fear of losing control control him. In fact, history tells us that, that Herod, the king, had his brother-in-law, his mother, his wife, and both of his sons murdered. He had them killed for fear they were going to usurp the throne. And so it's no wonder that when he heard about Jesus being born in Bethlehem and he couldn't track him down, he ordered that all the children two and under in Bethlehem be killed. He wanted to make sure that he got rid of any potential threat. Why? He had a fear in his life of losing control. Now these are extreme examples, but the feelings are very common, aren't they? We've all experienced these feelings. And I want to tell you, the message that the angel delivered time and time again on the first Christmas is the message that you and I need to hear today. Do not be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Look with me there in Luke 2. I want to read the next couple of verses about those shepherds who were out in the field. They've received this message. And then it says in verse 13, Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests now just look at that verse for a second I love that verse it's it's a hymn straight out of heaven's hymn book I mean this is not a, an earthly song this is a heavenly song and in this one verse it communicates to us what the purpose and the plan of God is it communicates to us what the heart of Christmas is look at it it says glory to God that's his first purpose and then it says peace to those on whom his favor rests. can I just tell you today that's the plan of God that he gets glory and that you get peace that's his heart that's his desire and the promise is that peace is for those on whom his favor rests. we get peace when we bring him glory but, but practically speaking, what does that look like? I mean, how do you bring glory 
to God. Because, you know, we say things like that in church and, oh, yeah, we bring, the, we bring him the glory. What does that mean? I mean, the truth is there's a lot of things it could, it could include. We could talk about prayer. We could talk about singing as we did earlier. We could talk about uh, serving in the community. We could talk about so many things that are enveloped in this idea of bringing glory to God. But I just want to zoom out. And let me just ask it this way. How do you bring anybody anything? You bring it. You come close to them. And that's the idea of Christmas. That's the invitation that we come close to him. And as you look at this story, you see the invitation laid before us to come and to seek a savior born in a manger. <clears throat> that's that's what what we mean when all month we've been talking about home for Christmas. We're talking about coming close to a place that you long for, a place where you feel safety, where you feel security, a sense of peace in your life. That's what home is, isn't it? I mean, how many of us have have just had a moment in a day where you're fighting traffic and it's hectic and you're going, yeah, I had that this week. And, and you just thought to yourself, I just can't wait to get home I, I just I don't I don't want to deal with the noise I don't want to deal with the frustration I don't want to deal with the chaos I don't want to deal with the co-workers I just oh I can't wait to get home now I know in, in a room with this many people not everybody here would describe your home as heaven on earth maybe you even had a terrible home growing up but if, if your if your home was a terrible home still this is what I, I know about all of us you didn't leave that home with the intention of, of reciprocating that same chaos. No, you left that home with, with a, a determined vow. I am not going to have a house like that. When I get on my own, it's going to be different, right? Because somewhere in all of us, we have this understanding, whether through experience or just desire, we have an understanding of what home is supposed to be like, what it's supposed to feel like. It's the desire that lives in all of us to... To have that place of peace. The author, Laura Engels Wilder, she said it like this. She said, home is the nicest word there is. Don't we all want to feel that way? We just, just want home to be everything that we hoped it would be. I want to tell you today that the invitation of the Christmas story is to come home for Christmas not physically but to come to a place where you have peace where you have safety where you have relationship and security in your heart and in your life and it's a, a metaphor that is throughout the scriptures in fact I want to show you one in Psalm chapter 84 Psalm 84 gives us words of someone who loved to be in the house of God and I'll tell you why he loved to be there it wasn't about it wasn't about the decor <coughs> it wasn't even about the geography it was about understanding that in the Old Testament God had promised the people that my presence is going to dwell at the altar so thank the Lord that when when Jesus ascended he told us lo I'll be with you always and as great as it is to come here and to feel God's presence in this church how many of you understand God's presence is not limited to this church God's with us when we leave here this afternoon. But in the Old Testament, he understood the presence of God was synonymous with the place, with the temple. And so that's why 
in Psalm 84, the psalmist said these words. He said, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, it even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh, they cry out to the living God. So he said, I want to be in the courts, the physical place, because my heart cries out for God. He understood that the presence of the place represented God's presence. And then something happened. And I believe reading the text, this is actually what happened. The temple was a, an open space, and no doubt birds could fly in and out, and probably often did. The psalmist sees something happen. Maybe in this moment or maybe at some moment, he's in the temple and a bird flies into the temple. And he sees it go down to the front and find a ledge. <coughs> and he sees a nest. And there's baby birds in the nest. And the psalmist is seeing this. There's a, a little nest in the temple. And look at verse 3. Here's what he writes. He says, even the sparrow. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. A place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. There was something about just seeing that that the psalmist was like, man, that's it. I mean, that bird gets it. That's like, that's what I want, to have a home near the presence of God, to have a home close to the altar, to have a home at a place where I know that God is. Oh, and to be able to raise your kids in that atmosphere, that is awesome. That's why in the next verse, he said these words. He said, blessed are those who dwell in your house, not those that visit occasionally. He wasn't talking about just coming to church on the weekend. He was talking about having a relationship with God, being at home, dwelling with God. He said, those people are ever praising you. Here's the idea. The closer we get to God, the more peace we have. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. How do we get there? Well, bring glory to God. And as you bring glory to Him, peace comes to you. The closer we get to God, the more we have peace. That's one of the reasons I love the Christmas story so much because it's all about God coming near. It's about Jesus who was there in eternity past stepping out of heaven's throne room surrounded by 10,000 angels singing his praise and entering into our story to be born as a little baby in a manger. The Bible says in Matthew 1, 22, it says all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. He humbled himself to be what? God with us. God with us. That's what the Christmas story is. It's God saying, come near. And we see all of these characters in the story. What are they doing? They're coming near to the manger. They're drawing near to God. I can't think of a better illustration of an invitation for nearness than a newborn baby. In fact, I, I brought an illustration with me today. <laughs> Don't freak out. Talking about fears. This doll right here <laughs> has caused some fear in my house lately. <laughs> 
Let me tell you why this is here. Maybe you have Elf on the shelf at your house. I've been dealing with this. (laughs) At the beginning of this month, we were cleaning out the basement. Our girls were cleaning out toys they were going to get rid of and things. And and they came across this doll. And my youngest daughter, Mally, our nine-year-old, she... She shows me this doll, and I go, oh, that's the ugliest doll I've ever seen. (coughs) Where'd that come from? (laughs) Well, I don't know where they get their sense of humor from. But because I said that's the ugliest doll I've ever seen, she snuck upstairs, pulled back the covers of my bed, (laughs) laid this doll there, and put the covers back up, (coughs) So when I went to bed that night, guess who was there to greet me? <clears throat> I can probably, it wasn't Elf on a Shelf. It was this doll. And <laughs> she's been popping up everywhere, so I surprised Mally in the first service when she popped up in the service. <laughs> but let me illustrate a point with this. If you're going to hold a baby, maybe you kids can help me figure this out. Is this how you would do it? <laughs> He's like, that's how I hold my sister, you know, no, no. <laughs> is that how you would do it? No, no. If you're holding a baby, is this, is this the way to do it? No, no. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be a parent. All of us know there's only one way to hold a baby, and that's close. Close. When you, when you see that newborn, you just, you hold it close. And that's the, what's being communicated when we look at those pictures of the nativity. Now, I thank God for the cross. I thank God for the imagery of my Savior hanging on a cross, bleeding and beaten to pay the penalty for my sins. But i got to be honest. There's, there's a part in all of us that, that winces at that image, and we turn our heads. In fact, the Bible says that there was a moment where God even turned His head as Jesus embodied sin on the cross but we don't get that feeling at christmas no no no. we we drive by the nativity scene and we slow down and we want to see it they're all the same right i mean mary joseph there's a baby there's a manger there's some wise men some shepherds but what we want to lean in we want to get close see that's the idea of christmas it's an invitation to come close come close and as we bring him glory He brings us peace. Did you ever think about how far Jesus had to actually go to come close? I I love this story. It communicates to us the effort and the intentionality of our Savior to come near us at Christmas time. Look with me there in Luke chapter 2. It says in verse 1, It was in those days that Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Look down at verse 3. It says, And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there... To register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. 
Now, I know these verses are familiar to a lot of us, and you might even have them hanging on a few greeting cards in your house, but just think about what happened. God orchestrated the, the leader of the world, the most influential person at the time, to make a decision to require a census so that all these people would have to go back to the town of their lineage. Why? For one reason, because he needed Joseph to take Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem. He did all of that because 700 years earlier, Micah the prophet had said, you Bethlehem of Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be the ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. And so all of this movement is happening all of these people are getting in place for one purpose, to get Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And yet, look with me at verse 6. It says, while they were there, Mary and Joseph, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them I, I gotta ask the obvious question if God can influence the leader of the Roman Empire to demand a census at just the right time make everybody move and go to their place of heritage just to get Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem couldn't he have worked out some hotel accommodations right I mean don't you think that maybe he could have worked it out that they didn't have to have the baby in a stable. I mean, that's why all of our nativity sets have little barns and, and, and stables around them and not hotels because God, it seems like he forgot a detail. But of course, we know we didn't. The reality is Jesus could have been born in a palatial mansion. He could have been born in a royal palace. They could have rolled out the red carpet. Mary could have gotten the best medical care of the day. But the reality is, he chose to come, to be born in a stable among animals, to be laid down in a feed trough. And why did he do it? Jesus chose to go low so that we would know that we can come to God. That's the heart. He wants us to come close. He wants to be approachable. That's why when the angel appeared and announced Jesus' birth, I mean, he could have come to anyone. In fact, he could have come to everyone. Wouldn't that have been cool? If everybody in the world would have just had the same revelatory visitation from an angel host, that's not what happened. He came to shepherds. Shepherds. Of all the people that he could have come to, shepherds were the last ones, usually, to hear any kind of important news. Because verse 8 tells us they were living out in the fields. They weren't just taking a shift. They were living in the fields. You got to understand, in the culture of the day, shepherds were the lowest on the social scale. They were the lowest of the low. Because of their occupation, they were never able to come to the temple to be a part of worship. In a very theocratic culture where worship and and presentation and appearance at the temple mattered they weren't even welcome in they were unclean 
because of the job that they had and because they were out in the fields they could never come in to be made clean and so they were just left on the fringes not by God no when it comes to who are we going to send the angel to go and announce the savior of the world is making his entrance it's to shepherds look at it with me in Luke 2 verse 16 they've received the news They've heard the angel's song, and then it says this. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now think about that. Usually, nobody cared what the shepherds had to say. People probably didn't even care what they thought. This might be the first and only time in their life that this could be said about them. People were amazed at what they said. Why? Because not only were they the ones to receive the message, this verse tells us they were the first ones to seek Jesus. They were the first ones to seek the Savior. They sought Him, they found Him, and they were the first ones to share the story. They went out telling everybody what they had just seen and heard. And the Bible says people were amazed. What does it tell us? It tells us that Jesus didn't just come for important people. He didn't just come to communicate to the influential people. He didn't just come to talk to those that have a, a million followers on Twitter or, or, or social networks. He, he came low so that we could know that God wants to be close to us in fact Jesus first sermon first time he ever <coughs> ever preached about 30 years old he opens the scroll to Isaiah chapter 61 and the words that he speaks are these the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor right out of the gate introduction to the first message of Jesus ministry he says I came to preach good news to the poor and that's what we see in the Christmas story the angels come declaring it not to the high and mighty but to the meek and lowly they find the shepherds out in the fields and the good news is preached to them and preached by them why Jesus came a long way he humbled himself he came low so that everyone, no matter where you're from, no matter what your station in life, what your background is, what your race is or ethnicity, gender, none of that matters. The, the story communicates, painfully communicates that Jesus humbled himself as low as he could and was born in a manger so that anybody and everybody felt they had the right to come and to to lean in on the Messiah, to come close, to bring their gifts, be they gold, frankincense, and myrrh, or just simply a song, but to come near, to bring God glory so that he could bring them peace. Now we're gonna do something here at the end of this service that I think is very significant. We're gonna celebrate communion together. In fact, uh, there in the cup holder in the seat in front of you should be a small communion cup like the one that I have here. If you're sitting in the front row of a section, there was a cup sitting on your seat when you came in. <coughs> I want to invite you to just take that, just hold it in your hand for now. In just a moment, we'll, 
we'll open these and we'll receive communion together. The reason we're celebrating communion is because <coughs> communion illustrates to us just how far Jesus actually came. That he didn't, he didn't just come to be born in a humble manger. He didn't just come to be announced to lowly shepherds. No, Jesus humbled himself to the place of giving his life for us. That's what the emblems represent, Jesus' life. I want to ask our worship team if you'll come back to service in this time, and I want to read a scripture to you out of Philippians chapter 2. Paul the apostle was writing to the church, <coughs> trying to help them to get a, a vision of what Jesus has done, and I want you to get that vision today. And So he says these words in Philippians 2 verse 6. Who being in the very nature God, he's talking about Jesus. He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Honestly, that's what most of us would have done. I mean, if we had all the, the power of the Godhead in bodily form, we'd use that to our advantage. But Jesus didn't. He goes on to say in verse 7, rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. <coughs> Verse 8 says, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. But that wasn't low enough. And so he emphasizes even death on a cross. If this were to happen today, we, we might say death by the electric chair. I mean, for us, you know, religion has made the cross a beautiful symbol and an emblem, and it is. But the reality is in that day, no one was wearing a cross around their neck. No one was wearing a t-shirt with a cross on it. It was the emblem of suffering and shame. Even death on a cross Paul says it might seem a little odd to some people that we would emphasize death and crucifixion at a Christmas Eve service but I want to tell you when you look at the story it's not like the song says that we sang earlier silent night holy night all was not calm people were gripped with fear Jesus came to conquer our fears. These people had no peace. <clears throat> they had no peace because they didn't have proximity. See, your peace is in direct correlation to his proximity. That's why the, the fullness of God is that you bring him glory and he brings you peace. There's people that refuse to honor God with their life and yet they want to bang the table and say, why won't he help me? If God is real, why am I dealing with this? If God is real, why won't this change? Your peace is tied to his proximity. And so he came. He came low so that you would know that God wants you to be near. As we prepare to 
receive communion together. I want to tell you just another verse of scripture that communicates to us how we're saved. There may be someone here in this service today or, or watching online and you don't have a relationship with God. Your curiosity has peaked enough that you're, you're still here, you're with me in this moment. But you want to know, like, what, what, what's it really take? Just give me the bottom line. Here it is. Paul wrote to a church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 2. In verse 12, he's talking to people that are saved, by the way. They weren't always that way. Neither were we. And he reminds them, he says, you remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel, and you were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. You were without hope and without God in the world. That's the condition of every person that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. Without hope and without God. But he says in the next verse, but now. Is anybody thankful there was a but now in your life? <laughs> but, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Can I tell you what brings us near? It's not the virgin birth, as much as we love to celebrate it. It doesn't bring us near. It's not the sinless life that Jesus lived. It's not the miracles that he performed. It's not the teachings that we love. It's not even his resurrection and ascension back up to heaven that brings us near. It's right here. It's very clear. What brings us near is the blood of Christ. It brings us near. Verse 14 says, for he, Jesus, himself is our peace he's our peace that's why we are going to celebrate communion that's why we're going to remember these emblems this little wafer it represents the body of Jesus that was broken for you and for me so that we could come near and as much as we would rather focus our attention on a, a cuddly little baby in a manger the reality is this juice represents the blood yes the same blood that coursed through those innocent veins he was born so that that blood could be shed so that you could come near so what I want you to know as we prepare is that this is not this is not about religious tradition and the act of eating this bread and drinking this juice in and of itself merits nothing on its own. We don't believe that, that somehow miraculously this bread becomes the body of Jesus when you eat it. Or that this somehow becomes the blood of Christ. No, no, no. They're emblems. They're symbols. But they're symbols that have significance. If you believe that the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross if you believe that that blood covers your sins if you put faith in Jesus to be your Savior your Messiah your deliverer then I'm gonna tell you this what we're about to do is very significant 
Because Jesus said, as often as you eat of this bread, and as often as you drink of this cup, you do this in remembrance of me. You proclaim my death until I come again. So while we celebrate his coming the first time, our faith forces us to look forward to the day that he's coming again. So let me give you some instruction as we prepare to receive. There's, there's two tabs here on this cup. The top one you can peel back and get the wafer out. That's the clear lid. And then you can open the cup underneath it. I want to pray before we receive these emblems though. Before we eat the bread, before we drink the juice. I want to pray for you. Because as I said a moment ago, if you don't exercise faith in what these emblems represent, they're meaningless. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with the Lord. He's, you haven't put your faith in Jesus to save you from your sins. You haven't asked Him to live in you by His Spirit, to lead you, to guide you. Can I encourage you that this moment right here, communion, could be your first act of faith? That as we receive this bread, we're not just, we're not just remembering what Jesus did, but we're, we're praying a prayer as we receive it to say, God, I, I want you in my life. I want you in my life. Come and live on the inside of me. And if you would pray a prayer like that today, I'm going to tell you, it would, it would please the heart of God to receive you as a son, to receive you as a daughter. You say, yeah, yeah, but you don't, you don't know what I've done. You don't, listen, Jesus came low. He came low. He came that low. Yeah, but you, my story's different. No, His grace dives deeper than your sin could ever take you. And so before we receive these emblems, I want to pray a prayer. I want to pray a prayer of repentance for sin and acceptance of Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world and of my life. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you to pray that prayer right along with me. In your heart, let's bow our heads together. God, in this moment, I'm asking you to make yourself known in a way that I never could. God, would you reveal your heart of love for every person in this room? Jesus, we believe today, according to Scripture, that you are the Son of God, that you were miraculously born of a virgin, that you lived a sinless life, that you performed miracles, that you were crucified on the cross, not for your sin, but for ours. You died a substitutionary death. And three days later, you rose again from the grave. And 40 days later, you ascended back to heaven. And God just as sure as you came and you purchased salvation. We believe today that you're coming again to receive those who are your own. So that where you are, we may be also. God, we, we put faith in that promise today. God, I repent of sin. I know it's the only thing that can keep me from you. So God, I confess it to you. Forgive me. 
make me clean as only your blood can do. Pay the price for my sin and forgive me. God, today I confess it. I let it go. And I put my faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the bread together. When you're ready, I want to invite you to drink of the cup as well. Now we're going to do something special at the end of this service. I want to read just a couple more verses in that same conversation that the Apostle Paul was having with the Ephesians. He said to them down in verse 19, he said, consequently, I, I love that. What a big word. What a word that's full of power. Everything that we just celebrated at communion, it's all wrapped up in that word, consequently. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with, with God's people. And you're also members of his household. Jump down to verse 21. He says, in him, talking about Jesus, the whole building, the whole building is joined together and it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now in, in this church for 2017, we've had a theme all year, better together. We've said it dozens of times. We're better together. We're better together. And it's true. God never intended you to walk this journey alone. But when I read this verse, I, I get excited because verse 22 says there's a purpose for God bringing us together. He said you're built together. You're built together to become the dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. There's something that happens when we come together. We're built together in God's presence it's not sitting in some temple in the Middle East it's here among his people we're built together to be the dwelling place of God so we want to illustrate that we're gonna stand we're gonna sing one more song together and I want to invite you to take that candle that was given to you on your way in and I'm going to begin by lighting my candle and then I'll ask you to just let the light find its way to you. Because this symbol of, of our unity says that we're not, we're not a family because we were all born that way. Because we all have the same likes and interests even. You don't have to be just like everybody in the church. There's some people that think, I, I wouldn't fit in. I'm not like them. Who said you have to be like anyone else? What makes us family is the fact that we all hold the same light. The light that shined in the darkness. It's the light of Jesus. And so I'm going to ask Heather and this team to lead us in one final song. And as we all sing out together with one voice and this light makes its way around the room, I want you to again see the beauty 
of God's invitation to come home. But not just to come home, to become home for Christmas. To become the dwelling place of God. He wants to live in you and among us. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth.
Father, we thank you that the promise of the prophet was fulfilled. A people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. God, I pray that as we extinguish these candles, that, Lord, the light and the hope and the peace that we have in Christ would burn ever brighter in our hearts and lives, not just in this Christmas season, but, God, in every season of the soul. God, may we sense your nearness as we commit to bring you glory, to bring you the worship that you deserve. As we, upon your invitation, come near to the Savior, Lord, cause your peace to be upon your people. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. I want to ask you to blow the candles out together. Please continue to just hold those upright so the wax doesn't drip on the chairs. As we get ready to end the service, you can take these out. The ushers will collect them in the back. But I want to I want to pray a closing prayer. And I want to just give some instruction before I pray this benedictory prayer. Something we do most every Sunday in this church is we give the opportunity for people to have someone pray with them. And I want to do that now. Maybe you're here and you've got a need in your life. I know there's many needs in our church family. Just yesterday I was at the home of Louise Myers, her husband Glenn, who we've been praying for for months now. He passed away yesterday. I know many of you are struggling with difficult things in your own life as well. And maybe you'd say, I, I would just love for somebody to pray for me. We would be glad to do that. Maybe you're here today and you've started for the first time or maybe started again a relationship with Jesus Christ. You prayed that prayer as we received communion and said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to help me to live for you every day. I need your peace. I need the certainty of my salvation. If you prayed that prayer today, I want to invite you. While I'm praying this closing prayer, would you be so bold as to step out from where you are and come find one of our prayer team at this altar? We want to put a hand on your shoulder. We want to pray for you and encourage you before you go off on your way today. So as I pray this prayer, I want you to know these altars are open. You can just politely ask someone to step out of the way. They'll be glad to get out of your way. And you can just come and find a place at this altar. Church, thank you so much for being here to celebrate our Savior today. I love you with all of my heart, and I pray that you have a very, very Merry Christmas. And we look forward to being with you next Sunday to round out the end of 2017. Now let me pray this prayer. These altars are open. Father, God, we just rejoice today. We rejoice in the hope of salvation that is ours. God, as we lean in and look closely and fondly at the baby in a manger, God, we thank you that it was not the end of your plan. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for the hope that we have today through Jesus. God, as we gather around with family and friends tomorrow and on the coming days, God, may we sense your peace like never before. God, don't let it be contained here in this house. We are your dwelling place. God, let your peace go with your people. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon.